Welcome to this week's podcast. My guest on Facing the Canon is Pastor Ade Amuba, co-founder of Christian Concern. Pastor Ade Amuba, it's a joy to have you on Facing the Canon. It's good. It's good to face you, my brother. Thank you so much. Well, look, let's let's start at the beginning. I want to start way back with your grandparents. Tell me about your grandparents. I'm forever indebted to them. My grandfather was a prince. His grandfather was the king. Yes. His mum was the king's favourite. So this is where? This is in... In Nigeria. In Nigeria. In a, in a town called Inyekiti. Yes. That's where I come from. My grandfather was a prince. The mother was the king's favourite, but she died young. Yeah. Um, and that hurt the king so deeply. And he never wanted them to forget her daughter, uh, his daughter, the princess who passed, and said she's got two kids, a son and a daughter. His wife, the queen was obviously devastated in your life to see your daughter die. She decides to take care of my grandfather and the sister because she too was married to uh, my great-grandfather from another royal family. Yes. Takes care of them. But in those days, all they knew was the heritage passed down to them from their forefathers and the worship. Yes, in idol, in different things. That's what they understood. And definitely, they passed that down from generation to generation. But when it came to my grandfather, we give thanks to God for the missionaries who came from the West into Nigeria, all the way to my village. And they went into very difficult territory because the culture there was passionate. And they held strong to what their values were. And so you come with this message of the gospel. No, how can this be better than what we've had and our forefathers has passed down? But they stuck with it. They were bold. They were courageous. They shared them the gospel. It touched my grandfather. And my, my grandfather, because the mother had died, the king wanted to be sure that the royal blood was never forgotten. So he named my grandfather simply Omoba, which is my son name, which yes. simply means child of a king. Yes. And Prince, that's why I don't use Prince, because my surname is already means that. And then he now said, this gospel, King of Kings. Yes. My grandfather loved it. Then my grandmother, his wife. And from there, they relinquished all other faiths, all other religions, whatever else they were holding on to and embraced the gospel. It reminds me of that verse. Uh, uh, they turned away from idols to, to serve, serve. Oh the my, true and living God. God. And you're a... a you're a bit of an. I I was trying to figure you out, Pastor Ade. You're 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 an entrepreneur. You're a pioneer. You, I mean, you've pioneered so many different ministries yes. over the over the. Just tell us about a couple of those ministries. I mean, t- tell us about Christian Concern. Yes. How did you, along with Andrea, Andrea right. start that. that? I call them. Um, social evangelism, yes. Christian-based projects or initiatives that speak to the different opportunities and challenges in their community. Take an audit of your church, a skills audit. A skills audit of your church, what are the skills that lie in your church every day? Once you've got that, put them in categories. Of then course. go into the community, the police, the social services, 
ask them what are the opportunities and challenges in this community. As a church, you want to work alongside them. They'll give you the statistics. Yes. And when you've now seen what the opportunities and challenges are, match them together with your skill sets, take it all to God in prayer and say, Lord, which of this would you have us use? Yes. The resources you've given us to serve. And once they found out that, that's it. And having done that, I was enjoying that, seeing more and more churches, now seeing it as a priority sure. when they go into a community to engage the community and not just be a membership club. Yeah. And enjoying yeah, that yeah, yeah. was when the Lord now said to me, son, I'm going to prepare you for three years because after this, there's another assignment. Yes. And I cried for three years in prayer. And for three years, confirmation from my wife again, Tolu, who is very much into intercessory and young people, she will come and say, the Lord is telling me, this is what your next phase is. I laughed. I said, you're going to public policy, advocacy. It's going to be so influential. And I said, are you kidding me? I said, yeah. I am not a lawyer. He said, I, don't, I, know, I know what you are. I'm telling you what God showed me. And then I used to do this then. You'll laugh at this. Okay. I, used to yeah. go, I used to go to the Lord. I said, Lord, why is it that Whenever you want to use me for something, yeah. you always go to Tolu, my wife, yes. first, and tell her about it all before you tell me. Do you think it's because she listens better? I don't know. <laughs> I, I, was, I was going there because I was feeling like, why? And then I got the best answer ever. The Lord said, the reason I do that, son, is so that when you tell her, when you have to go and do what I ask you to do, she will ask no questions. Oh, I said, to keep telling her then. And then so it makes it, we work together in their line on assignment. And when she told me that, I said, is that what you want to do, Lord? Yeah. And then my first assignment was with Caroline Cox. Yes, Caroline, Baroness. Yeah, Baroness Caroline yes. Cox. And I said to her, um, we had a problem in Nigeria. The Christians, they were being persecuted. The Nazis yeah. were thrown out of their work in, because they won't comf um, comply to the Sharia. And a friend of mine from Nigeria came and said, we need help. And within weeks, myself, Caroline Cox, ah, oh, what a woman. Anyway, we'll yes, come to that. Absolutely. And then, and then um, the late John Marks. Yes. Yeah, he's, and, and then um, Sam Solomon yes. was the Islamic um, yes. uh, for, for Lady Cox then. And we all traveled to Nigeria, two days, met the nurses, supported them, raised money, gathered information, came back, put a lot of more international pressure. And within weeks, all those nurses were reinstated back to their post after yes. two years. Yes. That was the beginning. I came back and said, Lord, is this part of what you wanted me to yeah. do? I thought that was it. And a couple of weeks later, I got a call from Sam Solomon. He said, um, Adi, there's a group of us that meet in Parliament yeah. with Lady Cox. And there's a problem in this country that we think is huge uh, on a bill called the Racial and Religious Hate Crime Bill. Um, you preach in your church. It doesn't matter what you're preaching. is how people receive it. And if they receive it, I think it's hatred you end up in prison. Yeah. I said, that's bad. He said, yes. I said, but by the way, we were praying and thinking, how do we challenge this? And we all believe the Lord said to us that we need to bring you in to help us. Yes. Because um, um, mobilize the church and whatever. And I had him on the phone. I said, are you kidding me? What experience do I have in public policy or advocacy or whatever? You have, you have Lady Cox. You, you, and in the moment I was saying that, the Holy Spirit reminded me what the Lord has said Absolutely. and what Tolu had told me. From that moment, within a week or so, we had our first rally of thousands in Parliament, working with her, praying and singing, fighting that bill. The rest is history. The rest we is won history. that bill. From there, 
the birth. It was true that yeah. I met Andrea. Because yes. Andrea was part of the team that I met with, uh, with Lady met. Cox. And she was in the Lawyers Christian Fellowship. That's how our relationship yes. began. From there, Christian Concern and the other was birth. And here we are today. But uh, it reminded me of, uh, you know, that it's not about our ability. It's about our availability, <sighs> isn't it? It is. And it, like for you, it's like, it's, look, surrender to me yes. and I will position you, reposition you. Yes, to do it. And, 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 you know, just we're in a pandemic right now. Yes. And the same thing when I went to God about this even though he had given me insight into it 14 months ago, but I didn't know it was going to be a virus, but I know something was going to hit us to make us come to our knees and acknowledge his lordship. Praise God for that. Because so you had a revelation yes, about 14, this? about it 14 months ago. 14 months ago? Yes. And are you able to say what? Yes, what, oh, what it was because for almost 15 years, as I traveled the world, I saw the demeaning of human life, the devaluation of human life, human trafficking, human hogging, harvesting, yes. persecution of Christians, evil, the disregard for God. It was just bad. And I used to say, Lord, we can't continue this way. You've got to do something to bring this world to a standstill and to their knees to acknowledge your lordship. And people used to say to me, why do you keep saying that? I said, yes. because we can't keep going this way. And it was a fervent prayer. And when I saw it 14 months ago, I, I was one of those um, prayer days that at times the Lord would take me in the way in the spirit and show me things. And what I saw was like a huge tsunami of wind. Normally when I go into warfare, the Lord gives me time to wrestle, to intercede and overcome. On this occasion, I had no time. It hit me, it hit fellow Christians and non-Christians alike. And when it came to me, I just said, Lord, into thy hands I commit my spirit. But I realized it hit me and so many others. While it killed some, and hurt some, he didn't touch some of us. He went through us, over us, he didn't touch us. But I woke up and said to my wife, I said, T, something is about to hit the world Yes. that will bring us to a standstill. I said, it's not long. And then we had the virus. And so when we saw that, I said, I know what exactly this is. And I said, so Lord, how do we respond to this? And I'll never forget this. Because many people were also calling me, so how do we respond to this? Yes. And it says, when, tell them that when they take responsibility, I will release the ability to deal with their reality. Yeah. Wow. Said so each one must find what I'm using this situation to speak to them about. About what they're doing, they must continue doing. What they're doing, they must stop doing. Yes. What they need to be doing that they're not doing. And when they've done that, and from there on, then they're able to respond to themselves, to their family, to their communities. Once I see them take responsibility, then I release the ability to deal with their reality. Yes. And I said, Lord, but is this new? He said, that's how I've always been. I had to get Moses to take responsibility. The moment he took responsibility, I released the ability to deal with his reality. The same thing with Gideon. I had to get yes. him to take responsibility. Then I released the ability to deal with his reality. And I'm like, even with Jesus, he said the same thing. Same. The moment I said, send me, I will go. Okay, here is the ability. Absolutely. Even when he was a bit scared and sorrowful unto death, the moment he said, okay, your will be done, they said the angels came and gave him strength. And as it was then, so it is now. You know, whatever the assignment God has given us and whatever he's doing and he's trying to say something to us, please listen well, take responsibility. Yes. And then he releases the ability to deal with your reality. Pastor Ade, what do you think God is saying through this season this pandemic 
He's allowing it for a reason. Yes. What's your discernment on that? My discernment, like I said, I have been wanting this for 15 years. And, some, and I want people to hear me clear about this. We live in a world whereby we have become our own gods. We, de we define truth in our own eyes. The way we're going, um, technological advancement is making us believe we don't need anything else. Democracy has become our god. But democracy of itself on its own is not enough. Yes. It's glorified humanism. Yes. And all those things, I felt that the church and others are crying to God in different ways and saying, we can't continue. People are actually crying to God because they have those who are feeling the pressure. And then he now decides, his ways are not our ways. I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to, he's asking the world to reset He's asking the world at this time, church and state, to take note because the days are evil. Whether we like it or not, this, we're living in the end times. Yes. And he's saying, and like he always does, what a loving God, so long-suffering. He's saying, huh, judgment is there, but I'm still going to give everybody a chance. And the chance is, see how a little virus blows and i can use that to stop every one of you yeah. imagine if i gave you 10 plagues yeah. like in the time of egypt what are you going to do that tells every one of you you are not what you think you are and i'm asking you draw closer to me i'm asking you to rethink yourselves i'm asking you romans 12 to renew your minds yes so that i can now bring transformation and I remember speaking to someone in the midst of this pandemic when we had the community unrest to do with um, George Floyd. And there was so much unrest and protest. And I had a conversation with some police who were concerned about the unrest. And they were thinking, oh my God, this unrest. And I said something to the policeman there. I said, I said how do we gain the confidence of the community? And I said this to the police officer. I said, can I ask you something? What is the well-being of the police? Yes. I said, excuse me? I said, what is the well-being of the police? I'm talking about the community. I said, uh-uh. Before you think about the community, if we have a police force that is not in a good shape, that is not well-resourced, that is short of people to work, to do what it has to do, there's not much you can do out there. Absolutely. If you try to do anything, there will be so much errors. You will get it wrong, and people will even come there and do things they shouldn't do. And he said, you're the only person who's ever asked that question. Yeah, I, I, I can said, imagine. Yeah. And it was like, I said, I said, don't forget that my father was a police commissioner. Late father trained in this country, 1960, and went back home to Nigeria. So I, I'm also a, a, like a police boy. And he said, wow. I said, so we need to look at that. And then apart from that, how is the, what is the well-being of the ethnic minority within the police force? He said, until the ethnic minority when the police force are confident of the police, yeah. it's hard for you to gain the confidence of the ethnic minority out there. Of course. And I say all of that to say that when we look at all of this in the midst of this pandemic, talking about what is God trying to say, he's trying to say to everybody, look deep yes. into yourselves. Yes. Reassess your life at this time. And and. Uh, somebody, some, some will say reset, some will say review, but 
Boris Johnson, whether he knows it or not, yeah. and even Keir Stammers, whether he knows it or not, said two profound things. When Boris became prime minister, he came out. And when I was praying, I was praying at the election, Lord, our nation needs redeeming. And I said, let the redeeming begin. When Boris came, one of the words he said in his first speech as prime minister was, let the healing begin. Yes, he did. Yes. That's right. Strong. And then when Kirstamas was appointed opposition, yeah. he said something as well. He said, it cannot be business as usual. Yeah. Those are profound statements. Yes. It cannot be business as usual. The reason there's healing, we need healing, is because there are wounds. Absolutely. And But we need to warn and all, church and state, to take this time to reflect Yes. To reflect. And then in reflection, take responsibility. You know, reflection in isolation. Yeah. So that we can take responsibility. And this is what the Lord is saying again, giving us chance. And I'm praying. My prayer is, Lord, please. I know we can be a stubborn people. I know we can be a rebellious heart. But give us mercy that births repentance, reformation, and renewal. Yeah. That's what we need. That's what we need. I don't want a mercy that just takes us back to same old, same old. I want your mercy that will help us repent, repent. will help us reform, and then renew. Yeah. That is, it, it, that's what we need. And, and, and I'm, I'm praying that, that unfortunately, unfortunately, because of what we are facing, because of this virus, some things that used to exist yes. will exist no more. Yeah. Some things that exist will continue to exist and come out of it better. Yeah. And new things will also emerge. Emerge, yes. Those are the three things that will happen. It depends where will each one of us of course. You know, find our categories. Pastor Adi, I'd love now all lives matter. All mm. lives matter. Exactly. Yeah. I'm Greek, Greek Cypriot. Yeah. Greek Cypriot lives matter. Yes. Okay, just, I'd like to know what your wisdom is and your take is on black lives nice. matter. Yeah. I mean, for me, when I heard that thing and they said black lives matters, I like to always look at things holistically. And maybe that's because of my experience of God. No matter what I engage with God, he gives me the big picture. And he always says, be careful, because always see the big picture. Yes. And then he helps you with the detail. And so when they say Black Lives Matters, and I looked at it, the first thing I first say, I said was that I wanted to separate Black Lives Matters, the organization, totally from Black Lives Matters reality. Yes. So I said to Guy, I made it clear, no apologies for it. I've looked at the definition and who Black Lives Matters, the organization is. I can never support them. I don't agree with the ethos of that organization. However, that is separate from Black Lives Matters, our reality. That is, the lives of people of color, African, Caribbean, or other matters. So I, I always first make that, and that's yes. what I focus on. the black. The, but then I now go forward and say, but my take on it is this, that the more cynical problem we have, deeper and just as important, as the situation whereby any man or woman or person is brutally killed the way George Floyd was killed. It's yes. unacceptable. It doesn't matter what the color of your skin Absolutely. is. Absolutely. So from there, I said to them, the most cynical problem we have for me is that the devaluation of human life. 
the devaluation of human life. I have seen people of all race and creed being trafficked. Yes. It's bad. It's horrible. Yeah. And I've also been sent materials, not only are they being trafficked, now in certain parts of the world, they harvest their human organs alive. Yes. I've seen horrible stuff. And so when I look at this, I'm looking at it more than just the lives of just one aspect of society, but use the opportunity to speak about lives matters, period. Yes. And that's when I speak into it, that's where I come from. I, yes, I do know. I touch on the issue of race. I definitely will do that. Yes. But when I touch on that, I will always say that, please, you must all be visible and vocal when anybody or anyone, anyone. is treated in that way. Yeah. And so if the case right now is of people of color, speak into it. Be visible. Be vocal. And if it's tomorrow, it's another race, do the same thing. Absolutely. You know, and, and, and realize that it is real. Yeah. And it needs to be dealt with. Absolutely. And it needs to be corrected. And so I always try to make sure it's well balanced. And, and, and I always say, please don't try and think that so long as we've just dealt with what affects sure. the people of color, the world will be a better place. Yes. There are so many others who are suffering in similar ways in other parts of the world that we must also speak into. Otherwise, it becomes a vicious circle. Yeah. And, and, and so for me, black life matters just like all lives matter. All lives. And the message of Christianity is, for God so loved the world, the whole, whole world. world. Every colour, every culture, every tribe oh that he God. gave his only son. His son to, to, I mean, I'll say something profound on that as well. And I want to say this because it's important. I'm from Africa. And I have stories told us from when we were young about slavery. Yes. And I speak for myself. And if people don't want to agree with me, uh, agree with me on it, that's their prerogative. But yes. for me, I look at the big picture. It upsets me. When I read that my forefathers felt that some of their own were worth being sold at a price. Yes. And I used to say to them, both those who were the slave drivers, both those who were the buyers and the sellers, they are all equally guilty. Yes. Those who sold the people and those who bought them. Yeah. Because I, I was once in a meeting of young people maybe about five, 600 of them. And I said to them, most of you here are from Africa or the Caribbean. At what price are you willing to sell one of yours? Can I see a show of hands? Yeah. None of them put their hands. I said, yeah. really? I said, no. I said, but do you realize that our forefathers, some of them sold some of their own for a price? The room went quiet. I said, I do not promote slave trade in any way, shape or form. I detest it. But when I look at it, I must look at it holistically. Yes. I must look at it and also deal with the fact that why will my own sell me for a price? I must always deal with that as well. Until this day, whether we like it or not, some of our own are still selling our own. Yeah. And that issue must also be spoken into. Yeah. As you speak into that, then you have comfortably can speak into the others as well. Of course. Don't just take it in isolation. So it's good to look at it holistically. Oh. What, uh, one story that I like is that when you were with two friends in a car. Oh, wow. Tell us about that story. <laughs> you know, like I love serving. I went to Syria alone on the invite of the then president with another pastor after the war in Syria alone. 
um, which they, they, there was a film about it called Blood Diamonds. It was after that. That's right. Yes. yes. It was horrible. Yes. We went there to try and help the country. And I was like, my God, this is bad. But anyway, we came back from that trip. I was trying to bring together Sierra Leoneans in the diaspora. Two of them I knew brought them and said in my car, can we please deal and try and go back and help back on Sierra Leone? We're just sitting in the car. I had just had 33 days of prayer yes. in the 33 boroughs of London with my good friends, names Obonge, Jonathan Oloyede, yes. going from borough to borough, praying against gun and knife crime. And we had just finished the 33rd um, borough and gathered churches there to pray. And it was almost two, three days after I was parked there. But towards the end of it, we had not finished. And I just saw two, three boys open my car, 3 p.m. in the afternoon. And as they opened it, because I'm a social entrepreneur, we run nursery schools, supplementary schools. They are all grown now. And I'm trying to say, for you to be confident to just open my door, let me give you a hug. It was one of these kids that are now grown. Yes. And as they opened the door, I was trying to hug them. And then I felt the gun. Yes. And I'm like, what? And I looked at myself. I looked at my friend next to me. He was panicking. And I said, come on, guys. You're my sons. Do you realize that you're my sons? Two African Caribbean, one Asian. They're not more than 16, 17, 18. I said, do you realize that I'm a father to you? Yes. What do you want from me as a father that you have to hold me at gunpoint in broad daylight? I said, do you want money, food, clothing? Or, 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 what is it? They were still looking at just like that. And I opened my car, I had about 250 pounds with me. I said, that's 250 pounds. All three of you go share it. Oh, they said, oh, but we want more. I said, no, you don't need more. That's all I'm giving you. Here is my card. I said, I'm not angry with you. I'm angry with me. I said, have we failed you? Yes. So much that you have to carry a gun in the afternoon to ask me as a father figure for money. They kept looking at me and saying, who the heck is this guy? <laughs> you know, and I said, yes, I'm, I'm not panicking. I'm going to I just said, the fatherly instinct just kicked in. I just said, sure. here's my card. They took it. They went away. And you knew those kids have done it before. Because people were walking, they didn't know what we were going through. And I sat there, maybe 20 seconds after they have left, pausing and saying, Lord, they could have just killed me there. What yes. just happened there? Yes. And while I was still pondering on that, all three of them came back with their ringleader and gave me back all the money and said, we can't take it. At that point, I just began to pray for them. Yeah. And I said to them, I said, Lord, our children are not as bad as they say they are. They're just looking for care, Absolutely. identity, and love. And I said, why did you allow me to go through this? Having done 33 days of prayer for, against gun and knife crime. Yeah. I said, because I wanted to let you know there is hope for them. There is hope. I said, now call, call your friends in the media, share your story, because many will hear this and know that there is still hope for these young people. And I did call the BBC. It was all over the news in BBC. ITV came and did a video of it again, put it all out there. And then there are times, I think XLP, Patrick Reagan, one day I went yes. to his office and they were actually using the video to encourage social workers to say, listen, look at what happened to this pastor. Yes. There's hope for these young people. Don't give up on them. Yes. And that for me was a powerful, powerful testimony that, you know, um, for, for the cheapest of sinners, there is hope. There is if we hope. can try and reach out to them and express that love and care. Pastor Ade, there is hope. Thank you so much for joining us on Facing the Canon. Good to hear. Thanks so much. Pastor Ade, wasn't that a moving story? And we have hope. We have hope in Jesus to transform the church, 
to transform our communities and to transform our nations. I hope that's inspired you today. Thank you for joining us on Facing the Canon. Please join us again. You've been listening to the J. John Podcast. To find out more about J. John's ministry, visit www.canonjjohn.com and follow him on social media.